Welcome to episode 66 of the Around the Crease podcast. This week we're talking about the history of the Pennsylvania lacrosse format, and I also want to give some context on why this matters to everyone out there who's listening in a non-traditional or non-hotbed state, because even Pennsylvania has had its share of modifications and growing pains, so I think you'll find this one interesting. So let's get into it. Hey everyone, Mike here. Welcome back to the Around the Crease podcast. And this week is a little bit different. Um, I interviewed Chris Goldberg of phillythecross.com. And we did this in September of 2018. And we did it because I was going through basically the Pennsylvania list of champions and noticed that it had a pretty complicated and honestly confusing uh, format back in the day. I mean, I have champions that go back to 1965 in Pennsylvania. So this is a state that is well established in high school lacrosse. But as you're going to find out in this episode, the actual playoff format and how they've determined champions have undergone quite a few modifications in that time but especially since the late 90s, early 2000s. I mean, we've had where it used to be private school and public school completed in the same division, and then some of the private schools don't compete, some of them do. So we're going to learn a lot about this. But I want you to kind of understand, for all those who are listening that are, you know, I know we've talked about Florida in the last couple weeks, we talked about Michigan. There's a little bit of relevance to all the states that are, you know, maybe experience a little bit of growing pains in the format. And I know um, me included, we all kind of like to sit on the sidelines and kind of be like, this is how they should do it. So I thought this was an interesting episode to finally kind of unleash one because Pennsylvania is in its playoff system and they just underwent another change a few years ago. But also so everybody can kind of see what an established state or what a perceived established state has done over its, you know, five decades of history to kind of determine its champions and how they go about it. And is it working? Is it not working? I mean, we're talking about even an established league by the NRAC or Haverford School and Malvern Prep. They have now been toying with their playoff format. Like they used to determine their champions based on their regular season champion. And just a couple of years ago, they went to a playoff format. Actually, last year, they went to a playoff format. It's not too dissimilar from the MIA conference in Maryland. So it's pretty interesting to see that. You know, even in established states, like the playoff format is constantly undergoing changes. It's constantly being modified. And it's just kind of one of those things like nothing's ever perfect. There's always room for improvement. So I thought this would be a good episode for everybody to kind of check out, listen to. And if you're like me, if you're listening to this, you probably actually enjoy a little bit of lacrosse history. So that brings a little bit of uh, of it to the table in addition to just kind of maybe making everybody feel a little bit better about um the way their teams are or their state associations or non-state associations are handling the playoff format. So everybody, we're going to get into the interview with Chris Goldberg from phillythecross.com right now. I guess when I started looking up all the, because trying to get all the champion stuff together and putting all that stuff together and started looking through, like this stuff just fascinates me, as you know, obviously the site's geared toward history. Right. Just looking at all the different, you know, because Pennsylvania has gone through, looks like several different variations of what they uh, consider a state champion. So I thought I would, you know, instead of just asking you to help me clear it up, I thought I'd get you to record it and we'd just talk a little bit of Pennsylvania championship history. So um, why don't you kind of give me the 
the Cliff Notes version real quick on the uh, the different variations of the Pennsylvania State Champion. All right. Uh, I mean, it, it, lacrosse started out, and I look back as when they first started choosing these state champions in the mid '60s. It really was it was mostly played at the private schools uh, of the Interact League, Haverford School, the Central League schools. Uh, Lower Merion was the big power, and the Hill School, um, you know, which is a great boarding private school in Pottstown. And they were the that those were the only places uh, the Philadelphia Main Line, uh, which uh, Hill is a little bit off the Main Line, but as, uh, the private schools in the Main Line were where lacrosse was played mostly. And only out of that Delaware County Main Line area uh, that it really what did come into play was in Abington, which it wasn't far away around that time too but it was really dominated by the schools in that area and then it, it moved to chester county uh in the late 60s and i looked at the state champion in 1973 so back then the state champions were really just the schools in the philadelphia area i'd have to really go and look and see when some of the central pa and pittsburgh schools came into play i mean i've heard bits and pieces of Mannheims and hempfields i think some of the private schools in Western Pennsylvania may have had lacrosse almost at that time, mm-hmm. um, but I don't think they ever came east to play. And the Central PA and the Pittsburgh area schools, some of them were playing maybe even back then, um, probably weren't quite as strong. There were probably only just a few here and there. Yeah. Um, the lacrosse continued to, to grow out of that mainline area in the 60s and 70s and you know i have it on my website the state champions were in 65 6 7 and 8 were just chosen by the coaches and then they actually held a state uh, an eastern pennsylvania championship game called the avery blake memorial trophy winner um in the late start in the late 60s and and went all the way into the late 90s uh, and by that time 99 they created these uh, scholastic lacrosse associations. There was one called the EPSLA, which is the Eastern Pennsylvania Scholastic Lacrosse Association. And then by that point, they had uh, some of the central PA, or they called it, uh, you know, in the Harrisburg area and in Berks County area, some of the schools that started to develop lacrosse, I think were still in the EPLSA, EPSLA. But then in just around that time they formed the central pennsylvania scholastic lacrosse association and then a western pennsylvania scholastic lacrosse association so these were not piaa sanctioned um, regions and any team could play in the region so of course the private schools the interact and the catholic schools lasalle developed this really strong program very quickly they were playing against the what are you know we know now as the piaa schools mm-hmm. in lacrosse so there was a really true state champion by that point so because uh, i'm looking at the list now like so we had the epsla and then the keystone cup champions and like it looks like a lot of those years like those teams were basically the same um yeah what, what was the difference between them well teams? what happened with still the philadelphia schools uh, school teams were definitely stronger um than the central region in the western region and they would actually have a playoff 
starting in 2000 with this Keystone Cup champion where the Central uh, Scholastic Lacrosse Association champion would play the Western champion, and that winner would play the Eastern champion. And if you look at the 2001, actually the Haverford School phenomenal program only beat Mount Lebanon of the West 11 to 8 which uh, I I wasn't around covering it then. I didn't start till 2007, but that actually is a pretty close game. Yeah. Considering how strong Haverford was and Ridley had superpower teams the next three years and won. And even still, the scores weren't that bad. Uh, Eight goal difference over Sewickley, 11, uh, 15-4 over Mount Lebanon, 13-7 over Mount Lebanon. Clearly, the Eastern champion was the best um, in 2007, the first year I covered at Downingtown East, only beat Mount Lebanon 5-3, to three, and that East team had uh, Tom Slate coaching and a couple people that played pro lacrosse. Uh, it must have been two or three or four of them that went on to play pro lacrosse. So Mount Lebanon actually gave them a good game. And then the last one in 2008, Mannheim Township lost to LaSalle, which is now a, a historic uh, thing when you look at what happened this year and it was only seven to five i didn't cover that one but it was the first full year of my website and i had someone from that region the central region cover it because it was held out near Mannheim, and it was a very close game so the east had never lost a, a champion a state championship game or even a state semifinal game to a central or western team during those days um, and, of course, that went all the way until this year when the PIAA championship started in 2009. There was never a team from Central or Western PA until this year. And then this historic event happened at Mannheim Township, defeated LaSalle 6-4. to four, as We all know it was kind of a monumental uh, experience just to witness the whole time I was watching it. I was like, is this really going to happen? <laughs> and it did happen that a Central PA team beat LaSalle, which has been you know, one of the top programs in the country for the last 20 years. So it was pretty significant. You know, the youth lacrosse in the East is so far ahead of the Central and Western PA that's, and the club lacrosse. Uh, they're probably the biggest reasons why, you know, there's incredibly great coaches in Eastern Pennsylvania that have been here for many, many years. And, it, you know, it's obviously going to take some time for the Central and West to catch up. Um, but we, as we saw this year with what Anheim did, they had incredible coaching and incredible talent. So it can happen, and it did happen. Yeah. Yeah, I'm looking at that last LaSalle team, 31-2. and two. That is a lot of games, <laughs> a lot of games yeah. playing the year. <laughs> yeah, I, I saw a lot of those too, yeah, 2008, because there were, this was the last year before the PIAA. There were no restrictions on games, so they uh, could play 50 games if they wanted. Um I remember the day in 2008 when they announced the PIAA would sanction lacrosse championships for 2009. It was one to two years earlier than we all thought it was going to happen. And it was very significant because it meant that the interact teams would not be in the state championships because they're not a member of the league, not a member of the PIAA. And there was some, some of the old hand and yeah. the people, the traditional people from Philadelphia were livid and they were like, this is terrible because we had, a true state champion and you know there were a lot of times the public schools could beat the interact schools and um you know so we've lost that but you know the PIAA has helped grow the state tremendously you know as we saw this year with Manhunt I mean the amount of teams it's incredible 
Yeah, I was going to say, talk a little bit, because obviously in 2008, which, I mean, I think that was the first year I was really starting to, to cover lacrosse, I think maybe the year before, because I think I actually went with um, our lacrosse editor, ESPN, to the LaSalle. I think that was the year they played Gilman, and he came down, he came west from California um, to watch LaSalle Gilman, and we sat there, and that was like one of my first, you know, real lacrosse games. Before that, it was just covering it down in Wilmington, North Carolina, uh, still watching LaSalle. <laughs> it was a little little bit of a difference. <laughs> Uh, for me to see that game, but uh, that that was interesting. So I think I saw that LaSalle team that year. But talk, what kind of prompted? Because I mean, from from someone who may not know, you know, it sounds like they had the best situation going, where you know you had public and private schools playing for you, one true state champion. What prompted the switch to the uh, sanctioned PIAA? Uh, oh boy, you could really get me in trouble here. <laughs> PIAA. Uh, obviously is a governing board for the state and if a you know a sport grows to a level you know like for instance right now ice hockey is not sanctioned by the PIAA then maybe there's not enough teams or right. um way that sport is but as lacrosse grew in the 2000s and boy did it grow in Philadelphia and beyond and started by you know in 2006 is when the PIAA announced it would soon sanction lacrosse um you know, by 2008, it, it had just continued to grow at a monumental rate. That's why I started the site, because I saw the growth. Uh, I was coaching lacrosse, and, and I covered it and was just seeing the growth and how talented the, the boys' players were in Philadelphia. And, of course, girls that had been sanctioned by the PIAA for years, there just hadn't been a PIAA championship. Um, but there were District 1 girls, so that a little bit different with the girls. But as the boys' game grew so much, the PIAA stepped in, obviously, and said, all right, we're going to take it over and we're going to grow it. And, you know, they've done things that some people have disagreed with, you know, how the state tournament is run. It's not seeded, and it does give an opportunity from, for schools from all around the state to, to advance to in, in, the, in the state championship rounds, which has angered or upset some people from the east. Um, but in it, it, it's clearly helped grow the sport because I think when I look back and I think back, there are 132 or 130 boys and girls teams in 2008 when they announced it would sanction lacrosse and now well over 200. It's almost doubled. Right. And the point where we have double A AA and triple A, you know, now this will be the third year for double A AA and triple A because they announced it. Once it hit 200, we would do it. And then it's exactly what happened. You know, now I think there are like 220 teams. When they hit 300, it might take, you know, six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 years. Then there's going to be single A, double A, and triple A. So, um, obviously, it's growing. You know, I've been writing a lot about, besides Mannheim winning, you know, the talent uh, all around Central PA, even going into Northeast PA, where there was very little across other than maybe Wyoming Seminary might my brother-in-law actually played on the first Wyoming seminary team in, in the 1980s. And, uh, and now it's growing like crazy up there and um, uh, all around the state. It always been fairly big in the Pittsburgh area, but it, it's growing all around uh, every part of the state. So uh, the PIAA sanctioning lacrosse, you know, their idea was, you know, we want to grow the sports. And, uh, and that's it's clearly accomplished that. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I was going to ask you, too, like, so I was tr been trying to pull together some of the, the Interact 
you know, champions and head coaches from past and stuff like that. Like, well, I, you know, the earliest one I can find was 1977 was Haverford School. Um, and I'm missing a few years between 77 and 84, but I think I have all of them from 84 on. But when did, like, how did, what was the dynamic of that league then? Because obviously we, we all know it the way it is now. Like, I mean, mostly Haverford School and Malvern Prep with Episcopal and, um, you know, a solid, solid conference. But, you know, what was the kind of dynamic of the league then, especially like considering those schools were able to play for a state title? Uh, uh, well, I mean, I boy, if you can help me with those champions, that's great because I actually only go back 20 years with it. But I know Penn Charter, um, which hasn't won an Interact championship for a while, actually, you could tell me better than me because the 20 years I've been doing this, it's always been Haverford and Malvern, but they had great, great programs. Um, it, it's always been a great, great, phenomenal league. I mean, uh, you know, an Episcopal also has won in this 20-year reign. Actually, you know what? They have not won an Interact Championship, but they won an Interact Tournament Championship, and they've been very, very competitive. Um, but the league, all of the teams in the Interact have been so strong because, uh, like I said, back in the 60s and 70s when it first started, the, the private schools were, were drawing the lacrosse players. That's where they were going, or to the Central League schools. Mm-hmm. Because that's where the the game kind of originated from in Philadelphia on that mainline area, and that's a lot of the interact you know is from that uh, Germantown Academy isn't on the main line, but um, that private school, uh, you know, it was it was big in the private schools, and uh, the quality of education of an interact school would help draw across players to those schools. So that's that's where they were, and. You know, the fact that they could compete against the public schools all those years was a great thing. Like, you know, most lacrosse people love when the Interact plays a public school and vice versa and have that opportunity. There's a tremendous amount of respect for the schools, even though, you know, it might be a private school. Uh, the coaching is incredible and, and there's a tremendous respect there, I think, throughout. It's been that way for all those years. Yeah, um, and you know, I'm sure there's probably a few people in states like I think of states like New Jersey and even Florida, like where you know those private schools they do compete in a, a state tournament. You know, obviously New Jersey, New Jersey might still be my favorite state tournament wise because you know, right? But you know, they, they get all their state that. champions and they do the tournament of champions, which is just you know, so you have one true one <laughs> by the end of the year. Like you kind of put the argument to rest. So. With that in mind, and, you know, but I remember starting covering in Maryland where, you know, you have the MIAA, IAC, like you have all these different champions, like you don't even get a true private school champion. Um, so Pennsylvania is pretty similar in that way. So what prevents the Interact from, you know, participating in the PIAA for people who don't know? Uh, I mean, the PIAA has a set of standards for what, what the age of the of the athletes and how many years they're playing at the varsity level past a certain age of middle school. Um, you know, obviously there's P there's a possibility of PGs in some schools. Now I don't think the interact has any PG postgraduates, but um, I guess there are uh, student athletes that repeat grades. And that's one thing that's not allowed in, in, in the PIAA schools, but there's, you know, that could be changed if it, they met the they if the interact wanted to meet the standards of the PIAA, they could it, it could apply and it's right. rumored to happen more than once 
um, and it, it would affect how they run their programs and the interact because they have long traditions of success. And, you know, maybe if the interact athletic directors wanted to apply to the PIAA and decided to change some of the ways they do things, I'm sure they would have it be heard to be accepted. And I know, like I said, it's been rumored, but um, it's just a matter of would it, you know, adhere to the, to the standards that the PIAA has and, yeah. and the rules and regulations they have on athletics. Yeah, I think I, I think I uh, heard that mostly when I was covering football in Maryland. Like I kept hearing that rumor, like you know, once once every year, once every two years, the rumor like, oh, the MIAA is going to join the uh, <laughs> the, the uh, uh, I'm losing the MPSSAA. Um, and right. I was like, that's never going to happen. <laughs> it's just people would like it because they would like those teams to play. You know, they're I mean, you would think away the uh, the playoffs would go. I was like, it'd be there'd be exciting games, but I'm like, I don't see it. You know, it was one of those. Yeah. You kind of laugh it off, be like, oh, it's, it's nice to think about, but probably wouldn't happen the way most people would want anyway. It's better in your head than it actually might be an actual uh, reality. Yeah, well, I mean, the Catholic League and the Public League. I've I've been covering high school sports since the '70s. I never thought they'd end up in the PIAA. Um, so it can happen, and there are private schools in the Philadelphia Catholic League that operate as private schools, but they're playing in the Catholic League. And obviously they had to change how they did some th certain things for them to be accepted into the PIAA. You know, there's still people out there that maybe think they shouldn't be in the PIAA, but lacrosse wise, I think, uh, you know, it, it adds interest. Um, there's some great programs in the Catholic League, obviously LaSalle and St. Joe's Prep are the two that people would think of that have had great success in the PIAA. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, so it can happen. And maybe one day the Interact will be in there and they'll all be back together. <laughs> so, and you, you've been covering uh, lacrosse in the state longer than anyone. Like, is there, have you ever had a, either a favorite championship game, a favorite game, or just, you know, in your research or looking this up, like something that's kind of struck you, like a memory that might stand out? No, I, I, my one interesting memory was that the first high school game I covered was in 1982, the girls lacrosse game. And this, it was a Penwood Upper Moreland district playoff game. And the Penwood Stars name was Kathy Large. And it, I, it didn't actually, I didn't actually realize until last year who Kathy Large was. Uh, she's actually the mother of, of Kyle Long and Alyssa Long, who are, standouts at Springfield so you know that that's one long generation you know, and I so I kind of know the the family um, but then uh, I covered uh, a great incredible football player named Bob Tate back in the early 80s when I was at the North Penn reporter in Lansdale he didn't play lacrosse but his father was a great lacrosse player at Delaware that I knew about when I was at University of Delaware and then his son Bobby Tate was a great player at the at Germantown Academy that I covered in phillylacrosse.com. So it's kind of three generations. And again, I know the whole family and really great people. So it's been kind of neat to, I've, I've covered a lot of kids of people that I went to the University of Delaware with and, and, and covered in lacrosse, uh, you know, because then when I've been doing this for a long, long time and that kind of thing happens. Uh, as far as the, the best game I ever covered, I, I tell you, the best game I think I ever covered, and a lot of Philly fans will agree with this, it was a, a, uh, 
exhibition game between the U19 team in 2000. This is the United States U19 team was selected, and no Philly players made the team. Uh, it was when Matt Rambo was a younger player, but he surely could have been on the team, and several other really standout Philly players. And um, uh, a bunch of, uh, they got the star, the top, the U.S. or the so the U.S. team played the top Philly players, and the Philly players beat them. It was at Radnor High School, and it was very well attended. It was in 2011, I guess, 2010 or 2011. And, um, oh, boy, was that a that was a great event because it was kind of Philly against the rest of the country. Yeah. And that, I think the likes of it we have not seen because it was hyped up, and, and then the game was everything we thought it would be. So that that was one of the best games that I ever covered. The state championships, uh, uh, I, I, I I mean, this year's state championship was the most interesting and intriguing because Mannheim defeating LaSalle, we wondered could it ever happen. The very first PIAA championship game was LaSalle against Conestoga, which was very exciting because it was at Hershey Hershey Arena or Hershey Park Stadium, and Conestoga had beaten LaSalle early in the year in kind of a shocking game. So I thought that was that was a really exciting game. Yeah. The only game I missed was Radner beating St. Joe Prep in overtime, which actually is probably almost the best. Yeah, it was the best game until it came back to Philadelphia. I couldn't go because I still a teacher and I had a chaperone our eighth grade graduation dance. But uh, <laughs> the best game probably was this Avon Grove five to four double overtime win over Conestoga for the AAA, the first AAA title two years ago uh, it's a game that seemed like it would never end and uh that that was probably the most exciting uh though that Radner St. Joe prep I watched it on TV and I had a writer there that was that was a great game so there 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 have been there have been some incredible memories for me over all these years so uh, uh yeah, that's why I keep coming back to it yeah, I think actually my probably the most exciting game I've seen in person was the and I can't remember it was either might have been 2010 or 2011. It was the uh, oh, what did they call it? It was the Inter Interact Invitation. No, it's the Invitation. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, it was uh, yeah, Haverford yeah. versus Malvern. I think Haverford was what like 23 and 0, and they'd already beat yeah, Haverford Malvern, twice. Malvern had a three goal lead, and Haverford scored like four in the last four minutes. Yeah, it was yeah. insane. There, that, that you're right. 2011. Wait, no, that yeah, it was. Uh, this was actually a different. What the year they were undefeated? Yeah, you're right. Yeah, it was actually 2011, and uh, Haverford won five four, and they scored I think three goals in the last two minutes to to finish off an undefeated season. That is was correct. That, was that, that your McNamara? Was he doing faceoffs? Because I think someone. I remember them winning the faceoff, and it was either the, I think it was the game tying or game go ahead goal with like 30 seconds left or something and you're sitting there and I'm like, Oh my God. It's like, and the place was going nuts. It was a Haverford yeah, yeah, for college. college and it was just, you know, that place was going nuts. I was like, this rivals some of the state champion, just the atmosphere. Cause I, I actually brought my buddy who um, covered soccer and he had never seen a lacrosse game. And I brought yeah. him and he was like, this is wild. Like he was just, yeah, like, oh, yeah, yeah this one that does have to rank up. There's actually coach Metz Bowers coaching at North Carolina as an assistant at, taken over the Malvern program and they had a couple losses that year. And so they Haverford was pretty heavily favored to win it. And he came up with a defense that completely shut them down until the end. And, and Haverford 
clutched it out and did finish undefeated that year with a, a you know mythical national championship, uh, but clearly deserved. So, and it was the first of two in over a four-year period or five-year period. So, yeah, that when you look at it, that probably is one of the most amazing games. Uh, also, in 2015, when Haverford was undefeated and national champion, they finished up up with a win over Culver after falling behind. But I, I covered that uh, was a great game. This Culver game, a fantastic game. And they they, they needed to win that game to, to finish off an undefeated year. And yeah. that, that was very exciting. I remember that one. Hey, uh, that was another great one. And actually made me think of it, like, because we hadn't actually talked. Like, so the Interact, they went to a tournament this year. So now, like, in the previous years, the champion was decided by the regular season. And now they have a, a postseason tournament. What what prompted that? Uh, that one you might have to ask the Interact. They they changed their format to. I think it's the first year ever that they've had a league champion decide in a playoff. It's always just been a regular season. They decided to leave the Interact Invitational um, and just have their own tournament. I mean, they went back and forth. It might change next year, from what I'm hearing. It almost. <laughs> It almost changed during the season um, that they would compete in that tournament, but it just uh, schedule-wise didn't allow for it. So I think they're going to keep their league championship, but I think that they're looking uh, at possibly entering that tournament. I guess I'll uh, I'll hear uh, more about that as a little bit of time goes on. So we'll see what happens there because it was very nice having them in the in the interact tournament a challenge it was in invitational then the challenge and the invitational and uh, it's been an incredible event since that occurred uh so it would be great if they get back in there so we'll see what happens with that okay all right chris well i can't thank you enough man i appreciate it. it's been fun kind of talking about a little uh pennsylvania championship history so really appreciate it and i'll throw links to all the stories i'm actually going to see if i can find the the story on um philly lacrosse for that uh I think you said the LaSalle Manheim Township game that you said you covered since I was yeah, there. Let's it, see if I can find that, and I'll make a link to that as well. It's up there. It's up there, yeah. It's, it's still everything we've ever done since the beginning of 2008 is up there. So yeah. it's great talking to you once again, Mike. All right. Sounds good, Chris. You have a good one. All right. Thank All you right. very much. You're welcome. Bye-bye. Bye.